Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with One Body in Christ as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 3. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. We shouldn't think that we have been separated from the people of God. But God is really, in Christ, Paul said, has broken down that middle wall of petition that used to exist between the Jew and us. And he has made us to all partake of the one body in Christ. So I'm not to say, well, I've been separated from God's people and think of myself as as separate from them. But really, we have been grafted into the root that we might partake of the fatness and the fullness of God's blessing and promise to the nation of Israel. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons and daughters, and I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now Jesus speaks of there are some men that are born eunuchs. There are some who become eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. That is, men who refrain from marriage in order that they might better serve the Lord. Paul the Apostle would probably fit in this category. Now, we think of a eunuch in a very strict sense of the word. Uh, I do not think that the Bible uh, really looks at it or is looking at it in the strict sense of the word. I think it is a man who just determines to live a uh, celibate life for the sake of the kingdom of God. As Paul the Apostle writing to the uh, Corinthian church encouraged the men, if they were able to handle it, uh, to live as he did for the sake of the kingdom. For he that is married uh, seeks how to please his wife, but he that is unmarried can just seek how he can please the Lord. And uh, thus, because it is in many times easier to endure hardship just yourself, and many times in the proclaiming of the gospel there uh, requires a real hardship and sacrifice, it's easier for you to make those sacrifices by yourself than to impose them also upon a wife. And so for, uh, you know, the, the sake of expediency and all, you'd be better off to stay as I am. Yet, if you can't handle it, Paul says, go ahead and get married. There's no sin to it, but I would just spare you a lot of problems. And uh, so there are those who, who, for the kingdom of God's sake, have chosen a, a celibate type of a life, and that is fine. The Lord said, I will give them you know, children, sons and daughters, in, in a spiritual sense. And so Paul speaks of his beloved son, Timothy, and all, and, and those relationships that he had with these younger men that he more or less tutored in their spiritual walks. Now also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and takes hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. And their burnt offerings and sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Now, the Jews 
in establishing the temple did not really follow this. They had the court of the Gentiles. And if you were a Gentile, you had to stay in that court. And leading into the next court were the signs warning the Gentiles at the cost of their life to stay out, warning any Gentile from trespassing within that next area of the temple. Now, Paul the apostle really got into big trouble with the Jews because they thought that he had brought an uncircumcised man into the area of the temple, the Jewish quarter within the temple. And that's what created the whole hubbub there in Jerusalem uh, that uh, almost resulted in Paul's being killed. However, Paul was not guilty. They thought he was guilty, but Paul was not guilty of that charge. Yet the Lord had declared, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. So he's talking about the stranger, that is the person who is not a Jew, who is there, who follows the Lord. God wanted him to feel an access unto God through the temple. Now, you remember that when Jesus came into the temple, he saw those money changers that were there and those that were selling doves. And he made a whip and he began to overturn the tables of the money changers and began to drive them out of the temple saying unto them that they had profaned the temple that my father has said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And, and the anger that he had for the profaning of the, in other words, they wouldn't let the Gentiles in, but they had all kinds of, of crooked kind of practices going on. The money changers were men who would have their little booths there in the temple and you could only pay your offerings to God in the shekels. They would not receive Roman coinage because they considered that unclean. You couldn't give your, your common Roman coinage to the Lord. So if you wanted to give an offering to God, you had to exchange your Roman coins for the temple shekels. Well, you see, what's so wrong with that? Well, what was wrong with that is these guys were charging a horrible rate of exchange. In other words, they were making a markup, a percentage. And thus, in essence, they were skimming off money that really should have gone to the Lord. They were thieving from God in the exchanging of the shekel and in drawing a, a percentage for themselves, they were really skimming off from God. And the same was true with the, with the doves. You could buy a dove outside for a, a couple of pennies. But these guys were charging an exorbitant fund, they, but, uh, uh, an exorbitant price, but they were in collusion with the priest. If you just brought a dove in, the priest would examine it carefully 
And he'd find some little flaw. And of course, you cannot offer any flawed offering unto God. So he said, no, I can't offer this for you. But here this fellow had doves for sale and they had the stamp on them. They were koshers. And, and so, but they were charging a bigger price. So again, the idea of, of, of robbery, of thievery that was going on and, and it upset Jesus. And so he quotes actually from this verse in Isaiah where God's intention that his house would be called a house of prayer for all people. That it would be open to anyone, anybody who wanted to pray unto God would be free to come in and pray unto God within the house. And so he declares, The Lord God which gathers the outcast of Israel saith, Yet will I gather others to him beside those that are gathered unto him. The gospel that will go out unto the Gentiles. All ye beasts of the field, come to devour, yea, all the beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. <laughs> that's, that's a tragic situation, is you have a watchman that's blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which never can have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain from his own quarter. And, and so God's speaking. And, and of course, it's interesting that God would speak of those. They were all looking for their own gain, all looking for their own welfare and their own gain. And it is interesting that the Lord would mention that in the very passage that Jesus quoted when he said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves, for my father's house was to be called a house of prayer for all people. And here they are. They're greedy dogs that never have enough. They're all looking for their own gain. Come ye, say they. I will fetch wine. We will fill ourselves with strong drink. And tomorrow shall be as today and much more abundant. Now the righteous man perishes and no man lays it to heart. And merciful men are taken away, and none is considering that the righteous is taken from the evil to come. There are many who see this verse as a description of what happens at the rapture of the church. As the merciful are taken away, and no man considering the fact that they have been taken away from the evil that is to come, from the period of the great tribulation that is coming. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. But draw near hither, ye sons of the sorceress. And so God speaks about the merciful being taken away, but now uh, his dealings with those who were worshiping false gods, false idols. Draw near, he's going to lay it upon them now, ye sons of the sorceress, the seed of the adulterer and the whore. Now this is, of course, talking in spiritual terms. The adulteress and the whore. That would be pagan religious systems, pagan worship, the worship of Baal, Molech. You see, these people were to be married unto God. They were looked upon as the wife of God. 
God said, I've joined myself unto you. And he uses the figure of a husband and a wife. And their love was to be to God exclusively. Their devotion unto God exclusively. But they were worshiping other gods. They were worshiping the gods of the pagans, the gods of Baal and Molech and Ashtoreth and all. And they were worshiping all of these other gods. And so God said, look, you're supposed to be married to me. If you're out there cavorting and worshiping these other, with these other gods, then that's adultery. And so God speaks of it in a, in a spiritual sense. The worship of, of the idols, the worship of the other gods, was looked upon by God as they're following after adultery or whoredom. Against whom do you sport yourselves? And that is, uh, again, a term that is used of uh, intimate relationships. And thus they were having, in a sense, intimate relationships with these other gods. Against whom make ye a wide mouth to draw out the tongue? Are you not the children of transgression, the seed of falsehood? Inflaming yourself with the idols under every green tree, slaying the children in the valleys under the cleft of the rocks. It seems unthinkable to us in this age in which we live, I guess it doesn't, that parents would take their little babies and throw them into the fire which was a part of the worship of Baal and of Molech. If you go over to Jerusalem to the Museum of Natural History, in one area they have a case filled with little idols that have been uncovered in the land. I saw one of the idols of Baal, a little iron figure with arms out and hands in an upturned position like this. And in their worship of this idol, they would heat it until it would turn a glowing red-hot color from the heat, and then they would place their live babies in these little outstretched arms, and they would be consumed in the fire as they worshiped the God. These are the things that God is speaking out against practices that his people followed as they thought so little of life that they were willing to sacrifice their own babies unto their gods. In the archaeological diggings, they have found in the jars that were built into the walls of the homes, skeletons of babies that were buried alive as you would build a house for a offering unto the God. These were the practices that God said were an abomination unto him. The things that God was forbidding. These were common practices of the people around them. You say, well, Chuck, I am abhorred by that thought, you know, of sacrifice a baby. Who could ever think of killing a baby? Well, I'm afraid that unfortunately here in the United States, million of them are being sacrificed every year. When does life begin? So God speaks out against them 
how they had inflamed themselves with their idols under every green tree, slaying your children in the valleys, under the cleft of the rocks. And among the smooth stones of the stream is thy portion. They are thy lot, even them that thou hast poured a drink offering. Thou should have had offered a meal offering. Should I receive comfort in these? Upon a lofty and a high mountain you have set up your bed. That is a bed for an adultery because they would, would make the places of worship up on the tops of the mountains like the pagans. Even thither you went to offer your sacrifices. Behind the doors also in the posts have you set up your remembrances. For you have discovered yourself to another. That is, you, you've uncovered yourself. You, you've made yourself naked in a sense before other gods. You've gone up. You have enlarged your bed. You've made a covenant with them, and you loved their bed where you saw it. And you went to the king with ointment, and you did increase your perfumes and did send your messengers far off, and you did debase yourself even to hell. And so God is speaking out against the fact that these people had turned away from him and had turned unto the practices of the heathen around them in the worship in the developing of other little idols and gods and, and their worship of them. Thou art wearied in the greatness of the way, thy way, yet you said not, there is no hope. Thou hast found the life of thine hand, therefore you were not grieved. And of whom hast thou been afraid or feared, that you have lied and have not remembered me nor laid it to your heart? Have not I held my peace even of old, and you have not feared me? I will declare thy righteousness and thy works, for they shall not profit thee. And when you cry, let your companies deliver thee, but the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. And so God speaks out against the people, and when you cry, your gods will not be able to deliver you. They will be carried away themselves by the wind. They are empty. But now in sharp contrast, he that puts his trust in me shall possess the land and inherit my holy mountain. And he shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus saith the high and the lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So God declares now his dwelling place. It is high, it is holy. But those that will dwell with him are those that are humble and those of a contrite heart. For I will not contend forever, neither will I always be angry, for the spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I angry, and I smote him. I hid, and I was angry, and he went on uh, forwardly in the way of his heart. 
I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. So even though they had forsaken God and, and gone in these abominable practices of the heathen, yet God promises his restoration. But to the wicked, they are like the troubled sea, which cannot rest, whose waters cast up the mire and the dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. A person who lives in wickedness, his life is like a stormy sea just casting up dirt and filth. No rest. Constant turmoil, constant troubling of the man who has set his heart against the Lord. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 56 through 57 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord... Cause his word to be established in each of your hearts and lives. And may you grow in grace and in knowledge of him. And may he with his cords of loving kindness just draw you unto himself. That you may ever experience a richer, fuller, deeper comprehension of that love that God has for you, his child. Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today would like to invite you to come along on a revolutionary study of the Bible as we introduce Pastor Chuck's Genesis commentary in an ebook format. 
Not only will you have Pastor Chuck's in-depth commentary, this ebook allows access to enhanced research studies by honored Christian scholars instantly. Features include Hebrew and Greek word definitions, as well as images of historical maps and places just by clicking or touching your screen. An online dictionary, plus highlighting, note-taking, and bookmarking. And everywhere Pastor Chuck shares what he learned or studied something, you now have access to those very same notes. So get ready to study the Bible in a whole new way. Now you don't have to imagine what it was like to be there. This is the next best thing. To find out how to download Pastor Chuck's Genesis commentary to your electronic device, please call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673. Or to watch a video demonstration, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.